we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I'd like to invite you this evening, if you would, take your Bible and turn with me in the New Testament to the book of Acts, chapter 19. Acts, chapter 19, we're going to read one verse together. Pray for me, if you would. Uh, We've been traveling quite a bit the last couple weeks, and I lost my voice, and I'm not sure which state I lost it in. (laughs) I'm praying that it won't give out on me tonight, and so you'd be praying, if you would. Acts, chapter 19, we're going to read one verse, verse 20. This is an important verse to me because not only does it summarize the work of God in the city of Ephesus in Acts chapter 19, but it's actually a summary of all of God's work for all time in all places and all people. And we have taken it as the theme of the ministry that God has given us in South Florida. And really it's because it answers a very important question. And that question is, are we crazy? Are we crazy? Honestly, what would lead us to believe that we can go to the bottom of America in a very godless place, a place that is known for everything that basically is about as far away from the things of God as possible, and believe that a miraculous and mighty work for God can be done? We're dreaming and believing God to start churches throughout all of South Florida, 10 million people living there, to start schools and a training center to train people to serve the Lord. Are we crazy? Or maybe I can say it like this. It's Pastor Hooks and his wife and, and, and the staff and the great people of this church. Are you crazy? Don't you know it's 2022? Don't you know the world has changed? What would lead you to believe you're going to buy a shopping center and move forward and, and grow and get the gospel to the people? What are you thinking? We're not crazy, thankfully, because of what we know to be true about the word of God. And what the Bible teaches us about the very nature of the Bible. And my goal tonight is to encourage you. I don't really have many things to say. Sometimes messages, you have several things you're trying to get across. This evening, my goal is just one simple truth. And that is this. That the word of God prevails. It prevails. Would you look at Acts 19 and verse 20 with me? The Bible says this. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. I want to read it one more time if we can. It says so simply, So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. It prevailed. That last word is what I want to bring your attention to because it's captured my heart. I'm basing my whole ministry on it. What is so interesting to me is that it doesn't say, so mightily grew the word of God and dominated. So mightily grew the word of God and it conquered and annihilated all opposition and all adversaries. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes you may think you're talking about the word of God, the things of God. And you think almost that it would be easy. That it would just vanquish all opponents. But this word that is a God-chosen word helps us to understand something about the nature of what happened in the city of Ephesus in Acts 19. May I say it like this? It was not easy. (laughs) It didn't happen quick. It wasn't glamorous or beautiful. It was a struggle. 
There was actually times when it seemed as if the darkness would dispel the light. There was moments, as we're going to see in just a few moments, that it seemed like the people of the world were going to overcome the people of God. And the error was going to stamp out the truth for good in this city. But in the end, God gives this summary. He says, I just want you to know it may not be quick. It's not always a one-round knockout. Sometimes it's a legitimate 12-round heavyweight knockdown, drag-out fight. But those who stick with the Bible, those who preach and teach and obey and live and believe the Word of God, have every reason to believe, no matter where they are, no matter what day and age they live, that the Word of God will prevail. Isn't that encouraging? And so this evening, I want us to study Acts chapter 19. And what we're going to do is basically come and sit ringside to a great showdown. I grew up and my father was a great fight fan. He loved to watch anything that had to do with fighting, MMA, boxing, wrestling. As soon as I could, he put me into wrestling and uh, trained me. And um, I eventually was able to become the state champion wrestler for the state of Florida for public high schools. And I've always enjoyed it. And um, I've had the opportunity to sit ringside at several fights and boxing matches and MMA events. Well, tonight, I'm going to invite all of you. Now, you don't have to leave your seat. You can be happy about that. But in the Bible, in Acts 19, we're going to sit ringside at a great showdown. I'm talking about a great clash of opposing forces. Now, it's not between people. Some people who study Acts 19, they think, well, there was a battle between a man named Paul and a man named Demetrius. A silversmith. And, and sometimes people are thinking, well, it's a battle between this or that. This, what takes place here is not a battle between people. It's not a battle between sports teams or between nations. This is actually a manifestation of the one ultimate great conflict of the ages. A battle between God and the devil. Between right and wrong. Between the church of the living God advancing by faith with the gospel and the world, the flesh, and the devil in a city that was filled with idolatry. And at the end of it all, God gave us that summary. But let's go ahead and get started this evening. If you take notes, I'd like to encourage you to write a few things down. And I really do want to be a blessing to you this evening. I, I hope that this would greatly encourage you. We find a few things in Acts chapter 19 as we consider the mighty prevailing word of God. The first thing we find is a city given to idolatry. There's a city given to idolatry. I'd like for you to read verse number one with me. Acts 19 and verse one, the Bible says this. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to, do you see the next word? Ephesus. Ephesus. And so the place that God introduces us here is a city by the name of Ephesus. And Ephesus was one of the famous cities in the Roman Empire. Now, many of you may be familiar with the fact that the Roman Empire was the dominating empire of the world at that time. And so in the Roman Empire, there were famous cities, cities like Rome, cities like Athens, cities like Corinth and Ephesus. And they were all known for different things, but the city of Ephesus was uniquely known as a center of idolatry and false religion. As a matter of fact, people would gather from the corners of the Roman Empire and come to Ephesus to see the temple that was constructed to their goddess, the goddess Diana. 
And historians tell us that there was actually a temple in Ephesus that took over 200 years to build. Now, you guys are getting ready, it sounds like, to embark on a building project. I'm sure the pastor is praying it doesn't take 200 years to build. But in Ephesus, they built a 200-year project, 400 foot long, 200 foot wide temple to what they said was the great goddess Diana. And that's what Ephesus was known for. It was a city that was given to idolatry. In verse 2, as we continue reading, the Bible tells us something about the people living there. If you look at verse 2 with me, the Bible says this. He said unto them, that's Paul who is speaking, Paul arrives. He said unto them, have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? That seems like a simple question for us, doesn't it? You know what he's saying is, have you been born again? Have you prayed and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the only Savior? Have you heard the good news that the triune God of heaven and earth, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, has made a way for all people to be saved? He said, have you been indwelt forever by God the Spirit? And look what their response is. It says, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto them, we've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. How about that? What a sad thought. In the city of Ephesus, the city that's filled with idolatry, no one had ever arrived there with a Bible yet. No one had ever arrived there with the truth of the gospel yet. And he said, have you all received the Holy Ghost since you've been saved? They said, man, we've never even knew there was a Holy Ghost. And you know what? This ought to break the heart of every Christian. Because, you know, this was thousands of years ago, but 2,000 years later, there are still places in this world where people have never heard of the true and living God. And as a matter of fact, you don't have to travel to the far distances of the world. You can come to Key West and meet quite a bit, but I have a, I have a suspicion about something. I think you could probably go across the street here and find people who have never been confronted by a believer and presented the clear facts and truths of the gospel and been asked to make a decision about Jesus. God's plan that we would be the ones who spread the gospel. It's our mission. It's our reason for living. And so Paul has arrived at Ephesus. He says, we never heard of the Holy Ghost. He tells us some more things. God's helping us understand what the situation was like here in Ephesus. In verse 13, he tells us about some of the citizens living there. It says in verse 13, Then certain of the vagabond Jews. That just doesn't even sound good, does it? The vagabond Jews, he says. Then certain of the vagabond Jews, exorcist. I don't even think I quite know all that that means, but that really doesn't sound good. <laughs> exorcist. Took upon them to call over them which had evil spirits. Now think about it. He's singling out people who are living in, in, in Ephesus. He says, there's people here, they're vagabond Jews, they're exorcists, and they're people filled with evil spirits. That's a pretty rough crowd, <laughs> That's a motley group of people. You know, when I first arrived in Key West three months ago, I began speaking to lots of people. I tried to speak to some of the managers and the business owners of the local businesses and some of the, some of the people who are very influential on the island. And I walked into the airport there, and I spoke with the person who, run, who, ran, who runs the uh, airport. And I spoke to him, and I said, yes, the Lord has called us. We're planning a church. We're finalizing the last stage of a church plant here, and then we're moving forward throughout the Keys. And he said, I just want to ask you something, sir. He said, did it ever occur to you 
that we don't want a church here? He said, did it ever occur to you? He said, you know, I'm from West Virginia. He said, the people who've come to Key West and South Florida, he said, we left all of that. We grew up where there was churches everywhere. He said, and I and we are sick and tired of people telling us how to live. We want to live however we want and have no one tell us anything about it. And I said, well, I hate to tell you the truth, Steve. I, I hate to you know, argue with you here. But the truth is, not everyone here feels like that. <laughs> because we're seeing people saved all the time. And seeing God transform people's lives. And I said, and I'm going to start praying now, Steve, that one day you'll be one of the miraculous transformed ones through the power of the gospel. But you don't have to very, go very far in this world today to find people who, who have never heard. People who don't know the things of God. People who are against them. And that is what you find in the city of Ephesus. It says in verse 19 that they were given to curious arts. They're a very superstitious crowd. They actually believed that the stars were gods. And where Diana came from, historians believe, was that a meteorite perhaps crashed somewhere near there in history. And the people thought that one of the gods had come to earth. They thought, wow, a god has come from heaven to be with us. And they carved into the image of a woman. And they said, this is Diana the great goddess of the Ephesians. And they're a very superstitious group, given to curious arts, the Bible says. I want to show you one more thing about this city of Ephesus. Verse 35. Would you look at that with me there in verse 35? It says this, And when the town clerk had appeased the people, he said, Ye men of Ephesus, what man is there that knoweth not how that the city of the Ephesians is a worshiper of the great goddess Diana and of the image which fell down from Jupiter. You know what he says? He says, just think about it. Anyone who lives anywhere near here knows that the Ephesians worship Diana. I want you to think about that. We gathered here and sung beautiful songs about Jesus Christ. We heard amazing, powerful, Christ-honoring music that stirred my heart. I felt like dancing right there. I just didn't want to get in trouble. These people gathered together and sung songs and hymns about Diana. They worshiped Diana. These people, we, we've already prayed two or three times. They gathered together and they didn't pray to the true and living God. They said, we never heard of him. We just prayed to that rock over there, Diana. We hope and pray she'll meet our needs. They have little children, no schools, no Tabernacle Baptist Academy there. They said, Ooh, we teach the children stuff. Oh, yeah. We don't have a Bible, though. We just... You know, we have books that teach them about Diana. Think about it. A whole city given to idolatry. That was the state that the Apostle Paul had arrived in. When I study this, the more that I've studied this, I come to believe that at some time in history, the devil just conquered that place. That was just one of the devil's strongholds. I feel like the devil was just walking around beating his chest like, I'm the undisputed champion in Ephesus. I've fortified the city with walls of iniquity and, and false gods and false teachings. They're going to live and die and never know the truth. But, you know, the sad reality is, is that America is becoming like Ephesus more and more every day, isn't it? Some things that people never, ever would have imagined would be the case are now not only the case, but they're popular and promoted and, and being celebrated all over the place. And it's, it's a sad thing to know, there's no doubt about it. But I do have good news for you. Are you ready for it? The good news is, is that no matter how dark the night may get, the light of the gospel can still shine through. 
And that's such a wonderful thing. And so you see, first of all, we find a city given to idolatry. If you'd write the second thing down, the second thing we find is a church advancing with the gospel. Now, this is amazing. This is worth getting excited about. A church advancing with the gospel. A church advancing where with the gospel? In this dark, dark land of Ephesus. In a place where people said, oh, we're a land of misfits. We're vagabond Jews and exorcists filled with evil spirits. We never heard of the Lord. We're given to curious arts. And everyone who lives anywhere near knows we worship Diana. That's all we know. But a man showed up with the truth of the gospel. And would you believe what happened when he started preaching the gospel? What do you think happened? People got saved. It's amazing. I had the opportunity to assist Pastor Clarence Sexton in Knoxville for about five years, and my wife was his secretary, and we saw God do amazing things. It so encouraged our hearts. We saw people saved and lives transformed and whole families saved and baptized and joining the church, and I thought, I know God can work here, but can I confess something to you? When we went and left and God called us to Key West, I thought, I sure hope it works way down here. (laughs) This is a different place. This is so far removed from some of these things. These people never heard about this stuff. But I'm happy to report to you today that the gospel works in South Florida too. It knows no geographical restraints. And so he showed up at Ephesus and Paul is preaching the gospel. People are saved and a church is planted. Look what the Bible says in verse number 7 if you would. It says this, and all the men were about 12. Now what he's talking about here is a church that is planted. A brand new church planted in the city of Ephesus. Someone once said this and I love it. They said, if a city has a church, it has a chance. If a city has a church, it has a chance. Now, why is that true? Because what is a church? What is a church? Is it a beautiful facility like this? I I feel, I have to confess, I feel almost a little jealous of the beautiful facilities you have. Down in, in Key West, Florida, where we're just starting, we're meeting in three different locations. We have a storage unit, and we rent a U-Haul, and we set up in a community center Sunday morning, and we meet in a house and have a house church in the evening. Then we rent an old Pentecostal building on Thursday to have the midweek service. I think, wow, this is amazing what God has blessed you with here, and so exciting to see it's going to continue to advance. But what is a church? The church, the Bible tells us, is the body of Jesus on earth today. Did you know that Jesus is on earth today? The church is the body of Christ. Now, I wonder, what do you think Jesus could do for a city? What do you think Jesus could do for a family or a community? It's endless, isn't it? And so in Ephesus, a church was planted, which means the Lord Jesus had a presence in Ephesus. And what happened was miraculous. The Bible tells us this church of just 12 people, nothing fancy, not a powerful church, but the strength of a church is not in its size, it's in its sort. And this was a church that no doubt glorified the Lord. And so this church began advancing with the gospel. That's so encouraging. It's so sad to see how so often if we're not careful, we keep our salvation almost like it's a secret of the soul. The greatest thing on planet earth. And I found, how many of you are saved? Would you raise your hand in there? Are you saved and you're grateful for it? Don't treat it like it's a secret of the soul. Like the greatest thing you've ever found and had and experienced, the thing that's changed your whole life and you can't tell anyone about it. Don't be like that. These people began going house to house. And in Ephesus, people were saved and lives transformed. And God gives this testimony in verse 10. Look at it with me if you would. It says this miraculous thing took place. And this 
continued by the space of two years. That's not a quick work. So that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. That's amazing. That is a real heaven-sent revival that took place. That is the prayer that God has placed in my heart. That because of the work that, the, that God would do with the advancing of the gospel in all of South Florida, those 10 million people, that one day it will be able to truthfully be said, and all they that dwell in South Florida heard the word of the gospel. They heard the word of the Lord Jesus. I'm sure that that is the very heartbeat of this pastor and his wife and the people here. That all the people in this part of the world have heard the word of the Lord Jesus. And God is doing amazing things here as his church advances by faith with the gospel. And then you see in verse 18, the Bible says now it started off with just 12. And now it says in verse 18, and many. How many of you see that there in verse 18? You see what it says there? It says, and many. Now it's not just a few people gathered together who are following the Lord. Now it says, and many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. And what you find is the church advancing by faith with the gospel. And there's nothing more powerful on planet earth. Would you look this way? Oh, there's nothing greater anywhere near this place. There's nothing greater than the Tabernacle Baptist Church. This is the body of Jesus in this part of the world. That's amazing. And a church advancing with the gospel. You know what the Bible says? I guess I'll just tell you. How about that? You don't have to turn there. But in Matthew 16, 18, the Lord Jesus speaking, he says, And I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's amazing, isn't it? And this was working in Ephesus, and they're moving forward and seeing miracles. And people took those old books that they were slaves to, they were in bondage to, they never knew the truth. They were given to the errors and the false doctrines and false ways. That's all they had. That's all the children were taught. And they took all this stuff and they began to despise it. They said, this stole years of our life. This didn't put us on the way of life. This put us on the way of destruction. This didn't help us. This hurt us. And they gathered all these books together of curious arts and teachings of Diana. They said, what can we do with this junk? They said, let's burn it. Let's burn it all. And they threw it and had a massive bonfire that day in the middle of the city. How about that? Now, that's incredible, isn't it? You see, there's a city that's given to idolatry, but there's a church that was advancing with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to write this third and final thing down. There was a great conflict that arose. You see, on one side, I hope you see the fight. It's the picture's being painted. On one side, there's a city given to idolatry. On the other side, there's a small band of believers, of followers of Christ going house to house, preaching the gospel. People are getting saved. Many are believing. The name of Jesus is magnified. They're burning their books. And what do you think happened? You think the devil just said, well, seems like Jesus got this one. I guess we pack up and go find another city. You think that's what the devil does? Not for a second. As soon as God rallies a group of people to advance by faith for him, you know what the devil does? He rallies another group to oppose what God is seeking to do. You say, why? Because everything God is for, the devil is against. Everything God is for, the devil is against. And so I want you to see what the Bible says in verse 23. Would you look at it? In verse 23, if you would, just read the first four words with me. Can we do that, the first four words? I want you to see this. This is unbelievable. 
And verse 23, the first four words. Are you ready? And the same time. How about that? At the pinnacle of all the work that's happened. I mean, they, the, the, the flames are probably still burning. The books haven't even disintegrated yet. And at the same exact time, the devil is stirring up a group of people to go out and oppose what's happening. At the same time. What happened at the same time? Well, it says this. And at the same time, there arose no small stir about that way. Those three words, no small stir, that basically means a great big riot. A riot broke out in the city. And we could read the verses. We'll, we'll jump through some of them. You may want to go back and read it on your own time. But as many as 20,000 people took to the streets. I'm talking about this was no small thing. The city of Ephesus was being transformed. The light of the gospel was dispelling the darkness. The Christians are going house to house saying, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved in thy house. And people are getting saved. And God is advancing. They're throwing their books away. They're giving their life to the true and living God. But not everyone liked it. Not everyone was happy about it. And a group rose up to oppose it. And a great conflict took place. As many as 20,000 people rush into a theater. They're led by a man named Demetrius, who's a silversmith. The Bible tells us, verse 24 through 27, that he was a rich man because he made little statues for Diana. He made little statues for Diana, and no doubt it was his goal for those statues to be on every coffee table in all Ephesus, to be on every little child's nightstand. It had that little statue there of, of Diana, and sales were plummeting. The gospel is spreading, and people said, these gods are no gods. We've been praying for years, and nothing has happened. We've been hoping and trusting and following. We haven't seen anything happen yet. And since we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything's new. And these guys said, we're going to have to do something about it. So they get a whole big group stirred together. And would you look and see what the Bible says in verse 28? And when they heard these things saying, these sayings, they were full of wrath and cried out saying, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And the whole city was filled with confusion. The whole city was filled with confusion. And having caught Gaius and Aristarchus, men of Macedonia, Paul's companions in travel, they rushed with one accord into the theater. And when Paul would have entered in unto the people, the disciples suffered him not. And certain of the chief of Asia, which were his friends, sent unto him, desiring him that he would not adventure himself into the theater. And notice verse 32. Some therefore cried one thing, and some another for the assembly was confused, and the more part knew not wherefore they were come together. <laughs> now get this, a mob mentality took over. The Bible says they're filled with wrath, and they're filled with confusion. 20,000 people flooding a great big amphitheater, and some people are over here yelling one thing, oh, no, this has got to stop, this has got to stop. And another group is over here saying, oh, no, 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 no. and it says most of the people that were there didn't even know why they were there. They said, what are you doing out here? I don't know, but there seems to be something happening. I'm just going to join the shouting and the screaming. You know, what's funny is before I studied this passage, I thought riots was a 21st century phenomena. <laughs> it turns out that people have been rioting and taking to the streets and doing ridiculous things for a long time. And that takes place in Ephesus, and it reaches a pinnacle. Verse 34 but when they knew that he was a Jew, all with one voice, about the space of two hours, cried out, 
Great is Diana of the Ephesians. And so it reaches a climax. The Christians are going house to house saying, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus died and was buried and rose again and has power on earth to forgive your sins. And then these people take to the streets and for two hours walking around holding up a sign. This greatly convicts me because the passion of unbelievers is incredible. The devotion of the lost to a lost cause is amazing. And for two hours, I'm trying to imagine the sight. Great is the goddess Diana. Great is the goddess Diana. If they're going to take this city, it won't be without a fight. Great is the goddess Diana. We love Diana. We pledge our lives to Diana. And the conflict reaches a great uproar. And in verse 40, it says they're threatened with government intervention. In 1 Corinthians 16, the apostle Paul says, I can't come to Corinth yet because I'm here in Ephesus and a great door is open unto me. And it is effectual, and there's many adversaries. He says in, in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians, If after the manner of men I fought with beasts at Ephesus, what advantage doth it me if the dead rise not? I don't know all that took place for this little band of believers in Ephesus, but I know it wasn't easy. I know that the devil and his crowd didn't just bow down and say, Here, here, y'all take the keys to the city. We'll let the name of Jesus be magnified. It was a struggle. It was a battle of influence and, and, and devotion and the power of God versus the power of hell. And I want to remind you as we close how it all concluded. Would you come back to our starting place, please? You say, whatever happened there? That sounds pretty crazy. Whatever happened after this big ride and, and the Christians are going house to house and the people are taking to the streets? Well, I remind you, God gave us his own summary. Acts 19, 20. So mightily grew the word of God and it prevailed. That means in the end it triumphed. It overcame. I can say it like this. The word of God won. And guess what? We're 2,000 years fast forward in the future. Guess where Diana is today? Guess where her temple is today? It's nothing but a bunch of ruins. But how many of you brought your Bible with you tonight? Would you raise it in the air? Raise your Bible high. In the Would you look around the room? Can you answer a question for me? Has the Bible prevailed? The word of God prevails. It's the mighty prevailing word of God. As a matter of fact, the city of Ephesus at the end of the first century was known as a launching pad for the gospel. One of the great churches pastored by John the Apostle, by Timothy, Paul's son in the faith. It's amazing. You say, how does that happen? How does a city filled with idolatry meet a church advancing by faith with the gospel? A conflict breaks out and when it's all said and done, when all the dust settles... God says, I want you to know the Bible came out on top. Isn't that encouraging? It's so encouraging. It is. But can I tell you something tonight? It's not life-changing. Mm -mm. Would you look this way? Oh, it's encouraging to know 2,000 years ago someplace for some people sometime, the Word of God made a difference for them. But we're all going to leave here exactly the same we came in. But it could be life-changing. If God would open our eyes of our understanding... And warm our hearts with the truth to recognize the word of God can prevail for you. The word of God can prevail in your struggles, in your addictions, in your struggle with sins, in your lost loved ones' lives, and in this community, in the school system here. Everywhere you think there's a problem. Everywhere you think things are not the way God wants. Put those things in the ring with the Bible. Continue preaching and teaching and obeying the Bible filled with the Holy Spirit. And we have every 
reason to believe that when it's all said and done, the Bible will prevail. May I just tell you a quick story before we close? There was a boy who grew up in Key West, Florida. He grew up in a violent and turbulent home. Began using drugs and alcohol at a very young age. He went off to juvenile detention centers. He was in rehabs. He became an adult, got married, had children. And he went off to jail after jail after jail after jail, rehab after rehab after rehab, institution after institution. It was so sad because no matter what his family did, the prayers, the pleas, the begging and crying, nothing, nothing can help him. Eventually, he was homeless. Eventually, he cut off his own finger. Eventually, his family had to get a restraining order against him. And all hope was lost. Everything that could be tried was tried, but there was a life that was ruined and wrecked beyond repair. Until one day a group of people got this homeless man on a plane and flew him to Corpus Christi, Texas, where there's a rehab place called Lester Roloff Homes. And that man, they made him listen to the preaching of the Word of God three and four times a day. Would you believe what happened? That hopeless man got saved. And God moved into his life and transformed him, renewed his mind, restored his health. And now that man is the same person that is, I'm working together with in South Florida, in Key West. It's my father. It's Talia's father. A man that growing up we thought for 25 years there's no hope. It's all gone. Everything's been tried. And because of that... Oh, there may be tough days and tough times. There may be tough cases, difficult situations. But I know and now I know with every fiber of my being that wherever the word of God is faithfully given and people count on it, we have every reason to believe that it will prevail. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.